Hello and welcome to John Cook Ministries podcast. I'm John Cook. We're continuing our study today on the pastoral epistles. We are on lesson number four on the pastoral epistles, part two. And we're in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Only two verses today. I want to encourage you to get your Bible and look up the Scripture, even though it'll be on the screen. Today we're going to look at what Paul tells us about serving God and praying for the brethren and how he rejoices for unfeigned faith and desires the close fellowship of Timothy and how to find encouragement in our service for God. Paul deals with all of this when he's writing to Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says in verse 4, Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Notice that Paul had a great desire He said, greatly desiring thee to see thee. Paul's heart's desire is what's being dealt with here. Paul's desire was to be with God's people. His desire was to have that close fellowship. This is something that is lost today in churches. The early churches loved the close fellowship of one another. That's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews not to forsaken this, not to forsaken, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more is the day as we see the day approaching. The cl- closer we come to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we should greatly desire even more and more the fellowship of God's people. But it's lost. Today, we seemingly can go to church online, and it makes no difference to us. It doesn't bother us. We don't miss the service, because after all, we're online. The truth is, the reason that we don't miss it is because we've lost this close fellowship and the desire for it. 
We no longer have the desire to be close with God's children. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 and verse 11 says, For I long to see you. For that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end you may be established. Notice, he says, I long to see you. A longing means a great desire. So he's saying, I, I, want, I have a great desire to see you. Because by our fellowship, I hope to impart to you some spiritual gift. That le- loss of fellowship may just be the loss of some spiritual gift that God wants to give us. Maybe it's comfort we need, need at that time. Maybe it's conviction. But whatever it is, we need that presence to gain it. But we, brethren, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 17 says, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart. So he's talking about presence. He's talking about we're absent from you. That is in our presence, not in our heart. We still, we still have you in our hearts. Endeavored the more abundantly to see your face. He wanted that presence with great desire. Can I ask you who have decided that going to church online is all you need? What has happened to us? Why aren't we endeavoring the more to be to see face to face the presence? Why don't we have that great desire for the presence? Tell you a silly event in my life. When I was a teenager, I guess I was probably at that time 18. Or it just turned 19. I'd met my wife or the lady who was to be my wife. And I was to meet her and her family after I got off work. After working an all-night shift as a fry cook, I was to meet her at a restaurant. I guess I, I worked in Encinitas at that time, California. And I was to meet her at a place, at a restaurant, a Denny's, in Escondido, California. Not very far away. Easy, easy to get to. And when I got there, I was there just maybe two or three minutes before I was supposed to meet her. But her dad, had, and I, without my knowing it, had decided to leave early. You know what I did? I sat there all 
mourning, hoping that they were the ones who were late. I so desired the presence We don't find that desire today to be in church, to be with God's people, because we've replaced it, somehow or another, believing that we can get by without the presence. That's why the loss. That's why we're no longer wrapped up in God's Service wrapped up in, 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 in the church of the living God. The assembly, that's what that word church means, assembly. You can't assemble online. That's an impossibility. A virtual assembly. You know what that means? It's not real. It's a counterfeit. He says, being mindful of thy tears. Tears. Tears that are wept. Tears like the early church wept in Acts chapter 20, verse 37 and 38. says, and they all wept sore. You know what that means? It means they're pouring out the tears, rivers of tears, and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Why? Sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should not, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. What were they sorrowing over? That's what it says, sorrowing. What was it? That they should see his face no more. They were sorrowing because they would no longer have his, and here's the word, his presence. Online doesn't replace presence. It's that simple. Timothy's tears came perhaps because of the difficulties that he was going to face alone. Maybe Timothy thought about here he was and he was in a position that he couldn't handle or maybe he thought he couldn't handle it. Like Solomon of old. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 7 to 9, Solomon was faced with leading the children of Israel, and he felt he wasn't up to the task. So what did he do? He got on his knees and said, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant instead of David my father, Thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child. He was saying that in comparison to his 
in comparison to his father, he was a child. I know not how to go out and come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people. He saw a great task, a great people to lead that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. So here's what he asked of God. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? In Solomon's case, his concern was he wasn't up to the task, but he could but he knew who to ask to make him up to the task. And may I say to you, this we certainly need in the ministry. If we're going to stay in the ministry, if we're going to stick with the stuff, if we're going to be what God wants us to be, if we're going to stay by the, 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 the task, then we need to get on our knees and ask God, for the strength, for the understanding, for the inspiration to proclaim his word like a trumpet. Paul was praying because the absence of close fellowship with Timothy. He said that I may be filled with joy. The joy was going to come by the presence of Timothy. The joy of seeing his son in the ministry. The joy of being with Timothy and fellowshipping face to face once more. The joy of of. What's the word I'm looking for? Let me see in my notes here. Joy with seeing the faithfulness of Timothy in the ministry. What a joy it is to see when God uses the men that he allows us to have a part in training when he uses them in the ministry, what a joy it is. He says to Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Give it everything you got, Timothy, but come here. Come where I am. Do thy diligence, he says again in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 21, to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. But he says, do your, do everything you got. Do your diligence to come to me and come before winter. Sorry, I lost my place here. Now he goes on. 
And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also, the unfeigned faith, unfeigned being it's the real deal, It's not a phony. It's not a taste alike. I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about vegetarian burgers that taste like hamburgers. And I said, why would you want to eat vegetables that taste like hamburgers when you can get the real deal? Too many today have a faith that's just as phony as that hamburger. It isn't real. It doesn't manifest itself and show itself to be real. But it did in, in Timothy's case, in his mother and grandmother. And that's for sure. In James chapter 2 and verse 18, the scriptures tell us this. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Now notice, show me. And this is a man who's saying this, not God. Don't get this thing tangled up. This is a man saying, show me thy faith without thy works. And he says, then I will show thee my faith by my works, by my works. You can't show to this world your faith. without it manifesting itself by what you do. But we can show this world the reality of our faith, that it's unfeigned. And that we can do by our works. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, we read the scriptures, The Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Does the Lord know that your faith is real? Yes. Maybe so. It's a fact that if, it, if you've gotten saved, if you've once trusted Christ, it's a fact the Lord knows you belong to him. You're his sheep. But does it manifest that you belong to the Lord? Does your life manifest that you belong to the Lord? Not without showing something on the outside. 
Man can't see the heart. He looks at this. He looks at this right here. Because man looks at this. Sometimes it's pretty bad vision, isn't it? But because man looks at this, the outward appearance, so we have to be careful what we do as Christians that it shows that our faith is real. In fact, it's so important that 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, abstain from all of appearance of evil. In other words, as a Christian, I not only am stay away from evil, stay away from sin in my life, but even that which appears to be evil. It's kind of like when I was young and I worked for an insurance company and I was put in a compromising situation and I had to be careful what I did so that it didn't even appear like I was compromising. Well, the same thing's true in this world. We have to avoid some things simply because they appear evil. And if they appear evil, then we stay away from them. We abstain from them. Do we have Christian liberty to do whatever? Well, according to the Bible, I'm free. I'm not under law. I'm under grace. So yes, I have Christian liberty. But does that mean I'm free to, to not be a good testimony? Absolutely not. The unfeigned faith he speaks of here. He says, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. A Christian heritage is a valuable thing. You know, you think about that what God has allowed us. And this Christian heritage is something God has given us. I have a wonderful Christian heritage. My daddy was a Baptist preacher, stood for the Word of God, believed the Word of God, studied the Word of God, taught the Word of God, preached the Word of God. Mom and Daddy's salvation was real, and it showed in their lives. That's the Christian heritage I have to rejoice in. We read about Timothy's mother and grandmother in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed. There's that unfeigned faith. But his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra at Iconium. Him, that's Timothy, Timothy Timotheus, him would, God, would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews 
which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. Now, Timothy would be considered a Jew because his mother was a Jew. But in order to not trip up the Jews, Paul took Timothy and circumcised him. So Timothy could go on in the ministry and minister to the Jews. What was the stumbling block? The appearance. Because they knew that his father was a Greek. Was the circumcision necessary? Was it commanded by God? Absolutely not. Then why did he do it? To avoid that which would stumble his ministry with his own people, the Jews. The appearance of evil. The Apostle Paul would say with John, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. What a great joy it is to hear that those that we've had a part in leading to Christ, that they've gone on for the Savior. They've continued to serve God. That's a great joy. He rejoiced in the fruit of his ministry. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, Paul says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. But now watch this. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. He said, Timothy is like-minded to me. He knows my desire for you to be growing in the Lord and he's going to serve in your presence to help you to grow in the Lord. He says that there's nobody could do this for me except Timothy. So what have we seen? We've seen the service that we're to give to God. Service that requires God's empowerment of us. We've seen the prayer that we ought to pray. We've seen the unfeigned faith, real faith, not vegetarian burgers, the real deal. We've seen the close fellowship that we should desire and strive for in our Christian life and why the churches need to assemble. And this business of assembling online ain't working, son. It's not real. And the encouragement that we get from one another in the service of God and the encouragement we can give to others in God's service. Now, those are the things that we have learned today. And I trust 
that we'll apply them to our Christian life and live for the Savior. Well, may God bless you till the next lesson. Thank you.